UAB MedCast is an ongoing medical education podcast. The UAB Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please visit uabmedicine.org medcast and complete the episode's post-test. Welcome to UAB MedCast, a continuing education podcast for medical professionals, bringing knowledge to your world. Here's Melanie Cole. For some patients, kidney cancer can be effectively treated without surgery, according to the Society of Interventional Radiology's first-ever position statement on the role of percutaneous ablation in the treatment of renal cell carcinoma. Welcome to UAB MedCast. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we have Dr. Andrew Gunn. He's an interventional radiologist at UAB Medicine. Dr. Gunn, welcome to the show. So before we get into the percutaneous ablation, for renal cell carcinoma. Tell us about the prevalence of kidney cancer. What are you seeing in the trends? Well, kidney cancer affects about uh, 60 or 70,000 individuals every year. It results in anywhere between 15 and 20,000 deaths a year. We're actually seeing a increase in the incidence of kidney cancer, and that's because we're using more imaging like ultrasound, CT, and MRI looking at other indications. And so we're actually finding more of these kidney cancers almost by accident. And what I mean by that is kidney cancers that are not symptomatic. Patients aren't having pain or they're not having blood in their urine, yet we find these kidney cancers because they're being imaged for some other reason. And so because of that, we're seeing a lot, uh, an increase in the incidence of kidney cancers. That's interesting that you're finding them incidentally and that, that you've got this, you know, imaging that's augmenting your ability to diagnose these. So what has been the thought on treatment as far as surgery in the past? What's different now that you're doing? So primarily the gold standard for treatment for kidney cancer would, would be surgery. And that involves, traditionally has involved what's called a nephrectomy, where they go in and they take out the whole kidney. In the past several years, there has been a movement towards what's called nephron sparing surgery or surgeries or interventions that actually spare most of the kidney because we want to preserve as much kidney function as possible. And so even in the urology literature, there has been a movement towards what's called partial nephrectomy where they only remove a part of the kidney and try to leave as much of the kidney there as possible. And so that's where we come in, in interventional radiology. What we do is we use imaging guidance, either with CT or with ultrasound, and we place needles through the skin. And with those needles, we can either burn or we can freeze that kidney cancer to death without removing the entire kidney. And what we've been able to, to, to know over the years is that the image-guided ablation of kidney cancer uh, has less complications. It preserves the renal functions to a greater degree compared to surgery, and patients stay in the hospital for less period of time compared to traditional surgery. So there's been more of a movement towards these minimally invasive approaches to kidney cancer compared to uh, years past. It's fascinating. So tell us about the position statement that you were one of the authors of that was published and, and how it establishes performance thresholds for patient safety. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's a couple um, exciting and, and new things about it compared to uh, where we have been in the past First, uh, it's always been difficult to perform a randomized control trial comparing partial nephrectomy or radical nephrectomy, the surgical approaches, 
to um, percutaneous ablation, and that's because both treatment strategies work really, really well. And so in order to do a large trial, we'd have to have a high, high number of patients in order to accomplish that. And so what's good about this position statement and these quality improvement guidelines is it actually includes data from what are called meta-analyses and population-based studies where researchers have looked at, you know, national cancer databases to be able to compare outcomes for image-guided ablation versus partial nephrectomy. And, and like I mentioned earlier, this position statement includes some of this most recent work looking at these population-based studies in which we've been able to show that our clinical and our technical outcomes for, for percutaneous ablation or image-guided ablation are very equal, are, are nearly equal to partial nephrectomy, especially for tumors that are less than four centimeters in size. And so including that information is one thing that is new um, and exciting about this position statement. The second thing is that the society has uh, been able to take a position on larger tumors, so tumors that are greater than four centimeters in size. And so previously, these were basically left to surgery and said image-guided ablation is not a great option for that because recurrence rates can be a little bit higher, complications can be a little bit higher, but in the last several years, including here at UAB, many uh, series have been published showing that percutaneous ablation, even for tumors larger than four centimeters, can be accomplished both safe, uh, safely with high rates of technical success and good oncologic outcomes. And so this position paper is really the first one from our society to lay out that data for people to look at and be able to use for payers and be able to talk at tumor boards uh, to their referring physicians. And so the third thing about it is how we, uh, you know, how we set those thresholds. What we do is we take a look at all the numbers that are reported out in the literature, and we take those numbers and we we take the average of those numbers and we look at you know the the range of those numbers, and then we look at the deviation, what's called the standard deviation. We take two standard deviations above and below what's reported, uh, the reported average that's out in the literature, and we use those to set thresholds. So, for example, you know, we want to say for technical success, you know, the threshold should really be, you know, 90 plus or 95% plus technical success for image-guided ablation, and your complications should be, you know, less than 6% overall. And so we use those for uh, people to be able to do quality improvement of their own practices and say, if I'm having more complications than this, then we probably need to take a, take a look and see how we're doing the procedure. Or if our technical success isn't as high as what's reported out there, what's the threshold that I need to go back and start to look at how I'm performing those cases to be able to make sure I'm doing the right thing for my patients. So those are really the three big areas um, that I would say is, is different than what we've done in the past through the society. Well, you got to my next question on accompanying quality improvement document and what that entails. So thank you for that. Now define for us the patient population who might benefit from this procedure. Tell us a little bit about patient selection and has that changed? You know, um, I would say, so, so first of all, patient selection has traditionally been patients who for some reason or the other can't undergo partial nephrectomy or radical nephrectomy. So a lot of times in the interventional radiology literature, we're looking at patients who might be a little bit older, um, patients who might be have more medical comorbidities uh, than the average patient, um, patients who have multiple renal cell carcinomas, patients who uh, might have reduced kidney function at baseline. Those are traditionally the patients that we've been seeing in interventional radiology. And I would say how has patient selection changed? Um, I would say it's changed more in the sense that m- more patients, I think, are opting to go to image-guided ablation compared to partial nephrectomy. Um, and so there's, I, I am seeing, personally at least, a higher number of patients who 
you know, are hearing both options and are choosing to go to the image guided or to the needle-based treatment as, a, as compared to traditional surgery just because the recovery time is quicker, it's less morbid, there are, there are fewer complications. And so I feel like our patient population is trending just, you know, ever so slightly a little bit younger than what it's been in the past. But typically, um, uh, I would say the traditional patient that we see in interventional radiology for this procedure is someone who either can't or doesn't want to go to undergo traditional su- surgery for their, for their kidney cancer. What have your outcomes looked like, Dr. Gunn? So, I mean, our outcomes have been good here at UAB. When you look at nationally, um, our technical success rates for tumors that are less than four centimeters in size are, you know, very close to 98 or 99%, which basically means can we treat the tumor and on our first follow-up imaging, do we see any tumor left? So, uh, in that sense, the technical outcomes are really good. Major complications have been reported um, in anywhere between 3 and 5% of patients. Um, we're certainly at that threshold or below here at UAB. Um, and I would say our oncologic outcomes, which and what I mean by that is, you know, recurrence rates when the cancer come, you know, the timing of the cancer coming back, if at all, um, survival rates, both cancer-specific survival and overall survival. When you look at that for tumors that are less than four centimeters in size, we see that percutaneous ablation is very similar within one or two percentage points of partial nephrectomy and all of those uh, outcomes uh, with the advantages, as we talked about, of having, you know, less complications in a shorter hospital stay. So the outcomes in that sense are really good. The other thing that we um, are are seeing more is these larger tumors, especially as the population gets older, has more medical comorbidities. We're definitely seeing larger tumors in our practice, and that has been good to look at the national literature and see that our technical success rates um, are in are 90 plus percent. They're in that ballpark, and when you consider repeat ablations, people that have to come back and clean up, you know, a small little area that might have got left behind or didn't get adequately treated in the first one, the technical success gets into the 95% range, even for those larger tumors. Now, of course, when we're looking at those larger tumors, the complication rates tick up by a few percentage points and the, the, um, uh, time to recurrence or time that tumors might come back is a little bit shorter compared to the smaller tumors. But regardless, I still think that, you know, for patients, for appropriately selected patients, you know, uh, percutaneous ablation can be a good, uh, good treatment option for, for the, even those larger tumors. So as you tell us some technical considerations that you might like to share with other providers, tell us about the anatomic and physiologic considerations unique to the kidney that have to be kept in mind. This is for other providers for effective and safe percutaneous ablation. Well, the first thing that I would say um, is that the vast majority of patients can be successfully treated with percutaneous ablation, you know, if you think that it's an option. What I would say, if you're listening to the podcast, is that if you have a question about whether or not your, your, your patient is a candidate for percutaneous ablation, the answer is probably yes, and that we'd be happy to see them in clinic. Um, you know, uh, the technical considerations are always that, you know, tumors that are smaller, uh, any tumor that's smaller, any tumor that's more on the outside of the kidney compared to being more centrally located within the kidney, and tumors that are on the backside of the kidney, posterior located versus anteriorly located. So those are the, always the easier, more technically straightforward cases. So if they're smaller, they're more on the outside of the kidney and they're more on the back of the kidney. So that's one thing we're always looking at. 
inside of our clinic is to see, um, uh, you know, those critical questions about the location of the tumor. That being said, even tumors that are larger, tumors that are more centrally located, tumors that are more on the anterior side of the kidney, we have several techniques, whether it's placing fluid in between the kidney and the colon or placing stents in the ureter to protect the, the renal collecting system. We have several of these adjunctive maneuvers that we can perform so that we can perform this procedure uh, you know, safely for the vast majority of patients. Um, as far as risk factors go, you know, bleeding is by far and away the number one complication from this procedure. So it's always something that we're very uh, cognizant about and that we're very uh, watch patients after the procedure to make sure that we don't have any evidence of bleeding. Um, other complications, you know, such as, you know, damaging some sort of adjacent structure like the bowel or the ureter or a nerve are very low, um, well less than 1% of all cases. And so those are really the big considerations that we're looking at um, when we are evaluating patients for this procedure. And Dr. Gunn, the statement used a multidisciplinary group of experts, including interventional radiologists such as yourself and urologists. Why is it so important to consult that multidisciplinary group for this procedure? Um, You know, really, I would say that a multidisciplinary approach for all patients with cancer is a good approach. And it's not just kidney cancer, it's all sorts of cancer. And I think that that's one thing um, about being at a large cancer center like UAB that is um, quite beneficial is the fact that um, you'll get a consultation with a medical oncologist and with a radiation oncologist or with surgery or with interventional radiology. And I think the important thing is that the patient is presented with all of their options. And I think that um, the patient has to also, you know, apply their own beliefs and values and priorities to those treatment decisions as well. So it's not never really a one size fits all approach for any one patient. And so when a patient comes in, especially when it comes to kidney cancer, you know, some patient might prefer to have surgery and that's fine. And some patients might prefer to have the more needle-based approach that we offer in interventional radiology, which is also fine. Um, But what we have to do as physicians is provide them with all of their options. And so to be able to be at a place where all of those options are and have that multidisciplinary approach where the patient can be presented with all of their different options and with our recommendations, I think is a real advantage. Well, it certainly is. What a fascinating topic. Dr. Gunn, wrap it up for us. What would you like other providers to know about percutaneous ablation and the treatment of renal cell carcinoma and what you're doing at UAB? What would you like to share? Wrap it up for us. Yeah, I would say percutaneous ablation, especially for those smaller tumors, is safe, it's effective, and its outcomes are nearly equivalent to partial nephrectomy. And, and, and with, the, with, the, with the caveats that we have, quicker recovery times, we keep people off of the hospital, and we have a less detriment to patients' renal function. So if it's something that you're at all considering for your patient, please send them over to have a consultation with us. The other thing that I would say is, wrap it up is to wrap it up is even with these larger tumors, for the appropriately selected patients, um, percutaneous ablation is not contraindicated. We can still do it. It just, it just may require some more technical considerations, but, but I would never consider it contraindicated in those larger tumors. And so I think that's something uh, uh, important for other referring providers to hear. Well, it certainly is. And thank you, Dr. Gunn, for joining us today and sharing your incredible expertise in this fascinating topic. A community physician can refer a patient to UAB Medicine by calling the MIST line at 1-800-UAB-MIST. That concludes this episode of UAB MedCast. For more information on resources available at UAB Medicine, please visit our website at uabmedicine.org physician. Please also remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other UAB podcasts. 
I'm Melanie Cole.